Okay. Parshas Vayera. Obviously, a lot going on in this Parsha as well. Uh, hard to believe we're like a month into Bracious, right? I feel like just started Bracious yesterday, but we this is already, we're already a month into Bracious, and we're coming to, you know, obviously the end of this Parsha is the Akeda, culmination of like the first, you know, quarter, I'd say the quarter pull of of Bracious. Uh, lots going on this week's Parsha. Very quickly, Avram obviously recovering from his bris that he had last week. Uh, waiting for guests outside, Hashem is doing Biker Cholim, uh, sees that Avram's upset, again, the stuff you learn when you're in elementary school, sends Malachim, Avram bestows his hospitality on them, and obviously they're there to tell him that he's going to have a son in a year's time, uh, Hashem tells Avram about uh, Stom's impending destruction, and Avram davens for them, uh, the angels come to Stom, right, to save Lot and to destroy the city, Lot flees into the mountains with his, uh, with his daughters, uh, the whole the whole story about Lot and his daughters, a uh, little bit of an in, underrated story that we're going to talk about a little bit. That Avram moves to a place called Grar, uh, where Sarah is taken by Avimelech, just like she was taken by Paro. Um, and then after that episode, so Yitzchak is born. Uh, Hagar and Yishmael is sent away. An angel appears to Hagar, tells her that Yishmael is going to make it and he's going to be a great nation, etc. Uh, Avram and Avimelech make a treaty, and then uh, obviously. Uh, the Akeda. So uh, a tremendous amount to talk about in this week's partnership. We'll talk about a couple of things um, and obviously leave uh, the rest for another time. Um, the first thing is something I don't think we've really talked about much in the last couple of weeks, so definitely not last week if I don't remember, if I remember, if I remember correctly, is how the Avos are a tremendous role models for us. Right Again, Akash Baruch started the Torah in Bracious, um, Yes, Rashi does say because you know he wants us to show the nations that we li- we get Eretz Israel because we gave it to the Elvis, etc. But uh, but the overarching reason we're reading these stories is to learn from the stories, right? We are humans are drawn to stories, and we learn from stories, and we learn from the pro- from the protagonists in stories. Um, and aside from the whole kind of you know Maisa Avos Simulabanim. That whatever the fathers did is what's going to happen to the kids, right? Everything that the Avos did gives us gives us a cough to continue and accomplish the same types of things that Chazal talk about all over the place. But just as someone who's reading these stories, right, should take lessons from these are our heroes. And so we we know that uh, you know the, how the Avos act are is a role model for us, and so we we should spend just a few minutes about Avram because he obviously is a, a central central. Uh, figure and you know some. I don't want to give a hierarchy to the Elvis, but definitely one of the one of the most important figures in the Chumash. So, uh, Pesach starts obviously. And obviously, Avram is sitting outside of his tent. He's waiting for guests, and uh, he's being waited upon by Kadosh Baruch Hu. Avram sees them, he runs towards them, Vayomar, Adonai, my, my masters, Pashup Shah, we'll talk about what that means in a second. Please don't pass pass me, right? Don't pass by. Please take some water, let some water be brought to you, uh, and, and, and kind of chill out and let, let me take you. So let me take care of you. So the first thing, um, you know, Rashi quotes two ways to understand. This word Adonai again, just part of the phrase that Avram says to the Malachim is the pasuk says Vayomar, and Avram said Adonai Right? Please, uh, simple pshat. The first pshat that Rashi writes 
is Ravram is saying, my masters, right? Don't if if I find favor in your eyes, please don't pass by. Please don't go away from me. Uh, you know, don't uh, don't leave this area. That's a simple shot. That's what we learned when elementary school. But Rashi has another shot, right? Another fascinating shot that the the Ado and Noi. Now I'm saying Hashem, Hashem, right? Means that Avram, right? When he runs to the Malachim, Rashi says this happened before he ran to the Malachim. Either way, Avram said Hashem, listen. Please wait until I'm done with these guests. And Rav Melech Peterman quotes that Barbanel, but who explains via the Rambam and the Murna Nebuchim in Chelig Gimel and Perak Nun Aleph. And he says that the, the Avos were so davuk, they were so connected to Akash Baruch Hu, that even when they were dealing with worldly matters, like, and even mitzvahs, but worldly matters, Parnassah, mitzvahs, other types of things, they were with Akash Baruch Hu. Meaning, even though Avram had to go attend the mitzvah and get these people water and shecht cows and wait upon them and you know serve them a whole meal, he was still with the kosh baruch so much though, so much so that he said, "Please, Hashem, wait here. I'll be right back." Right? And then Avram's words were like a sort of a tefillah, right? Al nasavor Please don't pass me by. Please don't leave. Right? Let me stay connected to you, even while I'm dealing with olam haze type stuff. And says Ramelech, now obviously we're not on the level that we're like talking to a Kosh Baruch Hu, like he's our shadow, and like if we have to go do something, we're like, hey, I'll be right back. Right? And we, we're not, probably not on that level where we're davening that Hashem shouldn't leave us while we have to go attend to worldly matters. But at least it's Shaykh for us to remember that a Kosh Baruch Hu is Hulavado Asa Veosa Viyases Kalamasim, the old Miami Boys Choir song. And he is the one who does, and he will does currently, he did, he does currently, he will do all the actions. Coach Barkle is in charge of everything. And even when we're dealing with anything we have to deal with, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's dating, whether it's job hunting, whether it's partner, whatever it is, Coach Barkle is always with us and guiding uh, our every hand. Right? I, w- I would be remiss if I did not mention one of the many stories that happened to me this week uh you know for those who don't know i've been uh in the hospital with my three-year-old he has epilepsy and they're trying to figure out exactly how to treat it so we spent three days there and uh you know it, it wasn't uh you know we were we knew it was coming it wasn't uh, like a, an emergency it was scheduled to run all these types of tests uh, as you might imagine not so uh not such a fun thing and pretty you know stressful uh you know stuff the hospital on a pull-out chair you know I wasn't sure there'd be a chair. I thought, I don't know if there'd be a bed or a chair, whatever it was. You know, I didn't know if he would be in pain. I don't know how the test's going to come out. You know, it's been, a, you know, he started having seizures in the summer. It's been a long, pretty long road. Um, so long story short, I was, uh, I was doing a, a little bit of last minute work for the seminary. I was scrolling through some files on my computer and I accidentally kind of like, you know, missed a key. And I was on, you know, the, like the win- in Windows Explorer section of the computer. So I was on my Mac, but whatever. Anyway, so I'm, I'm just, I'm like scrolling down and all of a sudden I hit some sort of key and I end up on a little icon that I had used for one of the, you know, I guess the one of the promos. It's like a little graphic that said, it's like a real little red bubble and it said the words, almost there. Now, I think if I don't remember, if I remember correctly, I used that little graphic for, for like some promo that we did at the end of uh, quarantine, if you guys remember, if you remember, like at the end of quarantine, we had like these schedules every single day. So I think I put it on there. I said, almost there, we're almost done with quarantine. But at that moment, it was almost like a coach broker kind of reaching out and being like, listen, you're almost there. It seems like it's stressful, but I got this. I got you. And it, it was very much out of the blue. It wasn't like I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't around it. It was like... I just somehow scrolled down 
to that to that random air, to that random uh, you know thing. And it was mamish like a kiss from Rakosh Baruch And just to remind that Hashem is always there, right? Even in the most difficult times, and especially in the most difficult times, when Rakosh Baruch was always there. And this is Rameilach. This is what Rakosh Baruch loves about us that we're able to keep it a level head right during challenging times and realize that Rakosh Baruch is the one. Guiding things, right? I think there's like a Mordechai Shapiro song like that or something. Um, but uh, but point says Ramelech, the, Ram, the Ramban writes, and he has a sefer called the of Abitachon. So he writes that Avram wasn't praised for keeping the Torah, even though the Gemara does say in Yuma that all the Oros kept the entire Torah. But it was the, it's the ten tests. It's the the fact that Avram passed all the ten tests uh, in Pirkei Avos. Again, the puzzles, again, the Pirkei Avos and Pirkei uh, Mishnah Gimel, right? Avram had 10 tests and passed all of them. And the Mishnah ends off, fascinating, I, n- I never noticed this before. The Mishnah ends off, Lodia Kamachiba So Shall Avram Avinu. To tell us, to tell you how much a Kodesh who loved Avram. It's not that Hashem loved him because he kept the Torah, although I'm sure that didn't hurt, right? But to show, Avram passed all the 10 tests to sh- and shows how much Kodesh Baruch who loved Avram. So the test, something that we're struggling with, Right, the fa- how we respond and how well we do, right, is is indicative. Will tell, kind of shows how much a coach. That's why a coach who almost quote unquote judges us and views us uh, in in that way. Remelech quotes an amazing vort of the Chosemi Lublin. Amazing vort. I never. I read this pasuk a million times and I never noticed this until I saw this. The Chosemi Lublin says like this. Pasuk says in the Akeda. Right, we know that by the Akeda, Avram obviously went to Shech Yitzchak, didn't end up doing it. He turns around. And he sees there's a ram there behind him. So he obviously shechts the ram, right, instead of Yitzchak. Right? And again, that's why we use the shofar, Rosh Hashanah. Okay, it's that fine. Pazik says, Avram looks up, And he looks up and there's a ram behind, or achar afterwards, caught in the, in the bushes by its horns. So says the Chosmi Lublin, there's an extra word in that Pazik. Why does it say, that he looked up and behold, there is a ram, achar, afterwards, or behind him, whatever it is, caught in the bushes by its horns. What's what's the after? What do you mean afterwards? What's achar? You should have just said, there is a ram caught in the bushes with its thorns. What do you mean there's a ram after or past caught in the caught in the in the bushes by its thorns? So you don't need that word. So says the Jose, there's an Akedah after the Akedah. Afterwards, later on, what's that? It's Misa Avosim and Labanim. That after Avram is done with the Akedah and he passed, right, there's another one. And what that is, is each one of us has our own Akedah to pass. And not obviously not on the same level. But he does, and it's not like one great test that we all have to do. But he says that when every one of, when we are faced with our test, with our own mini Akedah, whatever it is, right, whenever our horns are caught in the bushes, Right, we're either fighting with the Yitzhahara or having a tough time spirituality or Parnasa or Shiduchim or whatever it is. And it's hard to keep the Amuna and Bitacha and the Gamzul Tova. But when we're able to overcome whatever that is, so it says the Chosea, that's considered to be like the Akeda. Unbelievable shot that each one of us, right, Avram's children are all going to have their Akedas. They're all going to have their difficulties. And the way we come through it, that's what Kosh Baruch Hu loves about us the most, right? The ability to focus on him, even when things are tough, right? Even in the middle of a test and to have that improper Amunah Bitachon, uh, that Gamzul Tova, that everything's going to be okay. Okay. That's one Midah, uh, of Avram, right? All he's being with a Kosh Baruch Hu, although I, even though the others 
the other of us symbolize, I guess symbolized, not, uh, what's the word? Embodied that as well, right? That's for sure specifically, uh, uh, not specifically, that's for sure, um, uh, I guess emphatically by Avram. Another one of his midos that uh, comes across more by Avram than the other Avos is Zrizos. We talked about Zrizos in the Mesil Sisharim. Zrizos is hilariously translated in the Feldheim as alacrity, but which doesn't mean anything in English either. But it means getting up and going, right? Getting, going and being proactive, uh, not delaying going and doing something uh, when faced with that. And that's that's all over the Parsha, right? Avram says, Vayashkem Avram Baboker, most famous one, Vayashkem Avram Baboker, Avram got up the morning of the Akedah, right? Gemara Yuma says that that's the, the source for Zrizim Maktim and the Mitzvahs, that a pe- person should get up and, and you know, kind of be a Zaris, be, a, you know, be proactive and, and go out and go get to do, go do Mitzvahs. Avram does Vayachnas Orchem also, right? It says words like Vayarot, he ran to do it, Vayimaher, he hurried, uh, it says, it says, Avram got up early in the morning to Davin, and it's a source for Davin Shachris. And Avram embodies Zrizos, uh, this kind of get up and go and kind of go and be proactive and, and the opposite of being lazy. So, the Mrs. Sharm explains one aspect of Zrizos is that if you're not like that, if you don't do that, so you may miss out on a mitzvah, right? If you get up and go do a mitzvah right before the Yitzhahara drags you down, right, and you miss up and you miss out on it. So Rabnas Finkel explains another side to Zrizos, another aspect, or really another element, in the sense that when Avram did things right away, right, he got up early, it showed that he appreciated and valued his time, his element of time. Because when a person, again, a person is faced with a, a possibility to do a mitzvah right now, or they could do it later. So if they don't care to do it now or later, so it shows that you don't care about your time. Right? Oh, I'll do it now, I'll do it later. If a person gets up and does the mitzvah right now, right, he shows that, oh, my time is here, my time is valuable, I'm going to go do it now, and then we'll see. Maybe I'll be free later to do other mitzvahs. Right? That shows that there's appreciation of, of the concept of time. And says Rambam Svi, this is a crucial yisod in Yiddishkeit, to appreciate the time that we're given and use it to the best of our ability. Right? Chazal say all over the place, Right? Don't push off a chance to do a mitzvah, to do a chesed, to learn some Torah. First of all, obviously, because you might not do it in the end, as we read in Mishnah Perkeyevos. Right? I'll tomark it, lekisha efna eshna. Don't say that when I get free, when I become free, when I'm freed up from my work, then I'll go learn. Because shema lotefna, because maybe you won't. Because maybe you just won't end up having the time. Right? But but when a person appreciates the value of time, right, they do things right away, because they realize that every moment is a gift. Right? There's a story uh, I saw quoted in, in, by the name of Ruzelik Bengis. Uh, but I heard the story in the name of Moshe Feinstein also, right? Again, as you might imagine, as you'll see in a second, I'm sure there are various versions of the story uh, that right, he's someone who finished Shas many, many times, uh, and once, but once, he finished Shas and he invited all his friends and family and all his Talmidim, etc. And I asked him, well, I understand, you, it's not the first time, so why why are we all here to celebrate your Sima Shas? So he said, because this is the Sima Shas I'm making by learning in all the little moments. Right, waiting for a bus, waiting for a chuppah, etc. I think they tell the story about Moshe Feinstein that learning he learned between Alios and Shul, right? Between Alios and Shabbos. So I think he finished Shas that way, like in the, in the minute between, you know, the, during the Mishaberachs. Right? So I think, anyway, so, but this is a crucial lesson, right? Well, we, uh, especially nowadays, right? We have so much time, right? Again, if you think about how much we don't have to do compared to what they used to have to do, they used to have to, just to get bread. Or just to get water, just to, water they'd have to go down to the well and draw it. Just to get bread, they would have to literally spend months preparing 
and getting bread. We walk down the street and there's bread there sitting there in the makola. Right? So we have so much time and we yet yet we waste so much time. Right? Specifically, right, again, I don't know if it's not a muster about phones, but phones, internet, etc. etc. Right? We we waste so much time even though we have so much time. So when you're I don't know, waiting for the Shidduch shuttle, right, up in YU. So don't, you know, instead, there's an opportunity there, right? Don't browse the Instagram or TikTok or whatever you're on, right? You bring a Mishnayis or a lesson a day or a pocket of Chaim. There's always a minute or two, a few minutes to grab. You'd be shocked with what you can accomplish with a couple minutes a day, right? Again, just a couple minutes a day here and there, and you put, put a little bookmark, one of those sticky, right, what do they call it? The shark marks, right, little sticky... Uh, Sticky bookmarks that you can get. You'd be shocked when you don't have to, you know, when there's no pressure to finish anything, but you can just read two, three pages at a time. You polish off these little svarim that make a tremendous impact in your life. Just ask anybody who does dafyomi, right? Anybody who does dafyomi, if, if you would ask someone, are you going to learn every single day for the next seven and a half years, they would laugh at you like you're out of your mind. What do you mean? Like life gets busy. What do you mean? I'm going to learn a daf gemara every single day for the rest of my life for seven and a half years? Do what, you know what's going to happen to me in the next seven and a half years? I don't know, but it's going to be not. Yeah, okay, but when you learn 30 minutes a day, right, all of a sudden 30 minutes a day, and before you know it, you've cleared a half of shas, and now it's shas once and shas twice, and yeah, okay, when you view at it through a large lens, it's terrifying, but learning a few minutes a day doesn't, isn't terrifying. So that's the idea, to kind of really appreciate the time that we have. Um, third, third aspect of Avram, uh, that we, we we can learn is is actually heard from I had heard this before before but not exactly phrased in this way I heard it from a rav in the hospital actually I was waiting to Mincha um, and there's no I got this this tefillah hits different when you're you know all all these people are dominating in, in in the shul in the hospital you know but Baruch uh, Hashem so uh, it's the rav we waited for a few minutes for Mincha so he's a guy gets gets up and says just want to say a quick word about this week's parsha so. Yeah, it happened to be fantastic. The Gemara in Bav Metziah, in Daf Pevav, says that in the schus of Avram providing for the Malachim, right, for the guests, right, so his children right, were blessed with the following brachos. In, in the schus of the butter and the milk, so the Jews in the, in the desert got the mud, right, in the schus that he was omeid aliham, meaning that he was serving them, that he was waiting them on them. So they got the Amud Hanan, they got the, the pillar of, of clouds that kind of showed them where to go. And uh, in the honor of, in the schus of Yukach Namat Mayim, right, let some water be brought to you, and you can wash your feet, etc. So B'nai Yisrael were Zoha to the Bear Miriam, to the Bear Miriam, to the, to the water uh, in the desert. There's one slight difference, though, between those, between all of them, right? But the water, right, by, by the man that was rained down by Akash Baruch the Amud Hanan also by Akash Baruch but the water was sent through a rock, through an intermediary. And says the Gemara, so Rashi already, already brings this over here. I think, is it in the Gemara? I don't know. I'm not sure. Rashi definitely quotes it on the parsha over here. That might be a Medrash. But uh, I mean, the first first part is, is the Gemara. But okay, either way, when Avram said, Yukach Mayim, right? let water be brought. Yukach, the word Yukach is let you be brought. Let, let you be taken. Meaning that let the water be brought by someone else. Right? Let someone else bring you some water. So because of that slight lack of hospitality, if not doing it himself, so Rashi says, Hashem sent water through a shliach, right, through the rock. Instead of like, I don't know, dropping water from the sky or whatever it is, you know, having some sort of magical water that from Akash Baruch himself, there was a shliach, there was an intermediary. The problem with that is that when Avram goes to shech the cows to give the angels food, the Pasuk also says right, that 
Avram didn't do it himself. Right? Pasuk says, Vaitein El Hanar, right? That I, Avram gave it to, gave the food to Yishmael and told Yishmael to take care of it or, or helped him, you know, brought him over. And there Rashi doesn't say anything. All he says is, L'chan Chobah Mitzvah to teach Yishmael about the Mitzvah, about Hachnazah Zorchim and Chesed, etc. Similarly, with no problem whatsoever about how, how, how Avram acted. But again, the Gemara says that, the, you know, the butter and the milk and I guess the other food, etc., right, where there was Ocha, uh, B'nai Sol was Ocha to the Mun, and that came straight from Akash Baruch Hu, not through an intermediary. So, what's the difference? What was the difference between the water uh, and and the food and the that, and the, the cows, and etc., that I've prepared? So, the Rav explained that the difference is in the words just beforehand, and Pazik Zayin. The Pazik there says, Vel Habakar Ratz Avraham. Avraham himself ran to the, the pens where the cows were being held, and then Right, al Hanar, and then he, then he, only then did he give it to Yishmael. And right after that, the result of that was that Vayimaher la so 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 that Yishmael hurried, likewise, just like his father, but he hurried to do the mitzvah. And said that Rav, that in the first case by that Mayim, Avram just sent for some water. In the second case, he himself ran there and then showed and told Yishmael, "Hey, come, hurry up, let's do this together." The, when the parent is setting the example, then there's no problem letting the child or someone else do it, right? And you see the result, right? The Yishmael hurried to do the mitzvah. And, he said, and, and the Musr is, it's crucial to understand, and, and especially for you guys, right, at this stage in life, right? It's right before you're going to get you're going to get married, or even, you know, maybe even a year or two, or three, whatever it is, right before you're going to marry, you're going to have kids. Because if you learn this after you have kids, it's already too late. And the lesson is like this. Your children will not learn from what you say to them, right? They will learn from what you model for them. Right now, when Avram ran to do the, the mitzvah quickly, he said, hey, come on, let's do it together, do this, do it fast. That was great. There was no problems with that. When he said for someone else, said, hey, you take care of this, so that was, again, uh, not to criticize, but that was slightly lacking in the, hospital, in the hospitality, and that was still problematic. We we call the Masechah that talks about midos, pirke avos, right? the ethics of the fathers, right? because character traits are inherited. right? They're not taught. Right? They're passed down from father and mother uh, to children. Again, just th- think about your own life. Right, Whenever your parents say one thing but act another. Right? Just to use an example that I unfortunately fail with a ton. Right? When you say to the kid, why, why are you on the phone the whole time? Why are you obsessed with, with the iPad or whatever? Or the, whatever it is. Or the computer. But the parents themselves right, are on their phone nonstop. Right? And the kids can never get a sentence in and they never pay their attention until they say it four times because they're busy texting or whatever. So what message does that send? That sends the message that being on the phone is, all the time is fine, and it's okay to ignore your kids if you're doing work, etc. So that, you know, the, the Rav in, in, in Shiva, in the hospital, I didn't say it like that. He said he told a different story, but I think it was about the Chazanish. I heard a different, a similar story uh, about a different Rav, I don't remember. But basically, Chazanish saw, it was in Shul, and he saw a father right, give a smack to one of his kids that came late to Shul. Right, he came very late, gave him a little, little smack. So the Chazanish called the father over and said, you just taught your son two lessons. First of all, don't be late to shul. That I can get behind, even though I don't really agree with your methods. But the second lesson you taught him is that it's okay to hit somebody if you're frustrated with them. And that lesson you're gonna, he's going to remember way more than the first lesson. Right? Again, when we say, right, it's a huge underlying theme in the Parshios, but just very basic in its simplest form. What does that mean? The actions of the father's are a sign for the kids, right? The actions of the parents are a simon for the kids, right? Angry parents raise angry kids. Patient parents raise patient kids, 
I just uh, I just came from parent teacher conferences for uh, for Yehuda for my eight year old, and they are super super annoying from parents for both parents and teachers, and having been on both sides of them, right? I've both I've been both a parent and a teacher in these things. I can tell you one thing: the teacher can understand where a kid is coming from way better after they've met the kid's parents. Right? Parent-teacher conferences are as informational for teachers as they are for parents, maybe even more so. Right? And that is the crucial lesson that Avram is, is, teaches us in the beginning of this week's parasha. And the crucial time to internalize this lesson, ironically, is when you're a kid. Right? When before marriage, before raising kids. Right? Because if you think, yeah, you know what, I do this, but I'm going to make sure my kids won't. Well, guess what? <laughs> Your kids are going to do it too. Right? You're just fooling yourself. But if you're, you need to change yourself now. Right? If there's something you do that you realize is not great and you don't want your kids doing it, that has to change now. That's sad. The same thing, by the way, has to go it goes for marriage also, but that's another schmooze. But anyway, myself is similar to the button. What we do right, impacts our kids on a tremendous a tremendous level. Uh, okay, two more vortlach. Um, several examples in this week's Parsha how far a person goes or should go in order to make uh, shalom, in order to make peace. I mean, these, are, I think, are, are vorts that you guys are familiar with, um, definitely from elementary school, high school days, but uh, definitely I think it's important to mention in, the, in this context, uh, especially after seeing all these crazy posts about elections, both in Israel and in America, and people get a little nuts um, <laughs> with, the, with elections, politics, and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, so some, well, some well-known chazal has been important to mention. Uh, just as a segue into that, um, you may have noticed that in this week's Parsha, right, the famous uh, episode in this week's Parsha, when Sarah laughs, when they tell Sarah that she's going to have a kid, right, that Sarah laughs, right, and obviously Hashem is like, hey, what's the deal? You think I can't, you know, give you a kid? But if you're paying attention in Shul last week, uh, Avram also laughs when he's told that he's going to have Yitzchak, right, and Hashem doesn't say a word, right, so what's going on over there, right, isn't that like misogyny or something? So my Rebbe, Revinosin Sachs, pointed out that the key is, believe it or not, in Unclus. I don't know if you ever paid attention to Unclus, but uh, Unclus translates the Torah into Aramaic, and he says that there's a difference between Avram's laugh and Sarah's laugh. And last week's Parsha, when Avram laughed, right, Unclus translates the Chadi, which means Avram rejoiced. And this week, when Sarah laughs, uh, so Unclus translates the Chichas, that she laughed, meaning laughed in disbelief. But anyway, so, so she laughs and different, and she says, "How can that be? How can it be that we're going to have a kid? Avram's so old, right? That's ridiculous." And Hashem, obviously, when when reporting the story to Avram, right, criticizing Sarah, obviously changes that, and he says, "Sarah didn't say, how can that be? Avram's so old, because Avram would be insulted.' But how can she said, how can that be? I am so old, right? Again, a well-known Rashi the Gemara there in Belmetzia, right? That the mutter l'shanos shalom, you can lie for peace." That's A. B, the, the, so again, that, that's, again, you know, you're familiar, but again, I just wanted to, to reiterate. The Gemara says uh, in Bab Metziah, uh, uh, that uh, also in Nafpe I think, Rashi quotes it, I think, on the, on, the, on the Parsha, that when the angels asked Avram where Sarah was, right, he said, right, where's Ayyishtaka, Ayyinebo Ohel, right, Avram says she's in the tent. Um, in other words, she's Tsanua, and she doesn't come out to greet random Arab men who are walking in the desert. Uh, and that makes sense. And so the Gemara, but the Gemara there says that the angels knew where Sarah was, but they wanted to what's called the Chavavo al Bailo, to make her, ende- to endear her to her husband. That Avram should appreciate her Tzniyas. Ask her Chaim I don't understand. How long have Avram and Sarah been married? 
right? He's 100, she's 90, or whatever, just a year short of that. Avram is very aware, right, about her stance, right? That was the whole thing, put her in a box, right? Now I know you're beautiful because you didn't notice or you didn't realize, whatever, that it was going to be an issue. He knows, believe me, Avram knows. But, so why do the angels do that? Says Rechash Malad, it's unbelievable. You see that even a little tiny comment to increase shalom or and love between a husband and a wife to make someone else feel good is valuable. Uh, again, I, I may have mentioned this during this year, I don't know, but again, it bears mentioning again. My wife is so good at just making tiny, small compliments. And if she sees someone, she goes, oh, I love your nail polish. Right? I love your necklace. I love your shoes. Does she really? I'm not convinced. I'm not 100% convinced that she loves the garish three-inch red stick-on fingernails with the yin-yang sign on it. Okay, I'm not entirely convinced. But you know what? It doesn't cost her anything, right? And the other one is, the other person is clearly wearing it at the very least, right, to get some attention, right? Or to, because it means something to them or whatever. So to notice it and make a comment, right, it makes someone good. It puts a smile on their face. It costs nothing, right? Like Victor Miller says, right, the first custody you do for someone when you meet them is just smile at them. It's so easy and yet so important. Now, obviously, if it's inappropriate, if it's you know male, female, whatever, that's another story. Okay, but it's so crucial, right, assuming that's not the case, right, to create that little bit of shalom. And says Rukhan Shmulevitz, it's the same is true in the negative. Right? Being able to stop even the slightest measure of negative feelings or, or quote-unquote sinna, hatred, or frustration, even the tiniest bit of negativity to stop that is also super valuable as well. He points out that, fascinating, that Rachel named her first son Yosef, obviously, as you might know, for two reasons. One of them is because because Hashem has taken away her disgrace. Now, obviously, the simple shot is because she was barren. She didn't have any kids. But Rashi there says something wild. Wild. He quotes the Medrash, and he says that when a person doesn't have kids, they don't have anyone to blame for tiny, small misfortunes. Like a broken plate, a mess in the kitchen, right? Who ate the cookies from the cookie jar, right? It's, there are no kids around, so obviously it's you. So, but now, now Rachel had someone to blame, or at least people will blame the kid for, you know, if the house is messy, etc., etc. So this is Rechaim Shmulevitz. What is that? Right? In the grand scheme of things, like, who cares? Right? This is, this is, this is Rachel who yelled at Yaakov and said, Havali Banim, Vim Ayin Mesa Anochi. Like, give me kids. And if I don't have kids, then I'm like, I'm dead. So now she has a kid, and Baruch Hashem, and thank God that now if my tent is messy, people won't blame me. Or my husband won't think I'm a slob. It's like, what, what is this Rashi? Like, we read this Rashi when we're little kids. We're like, oh, well, that's cute. That's funny. Okay. And we, we don't even think, but like, what is this Rashi? What does that even mean? So he says the same idea. So he said, even though we don't think it's a big deal at all, the Abus and the Mahos were tuned in and realized that even the slightest negative feelings right are painful and to refrain and to pull that away to stop that is a valuable thing if you could do anything to lessen the discomfort of a friend or a relative whatever or a spouse certainly a spouse so that's valuable the fact that Yaakov wouldn't think Rachel was a slob or careless or whatever because he'd be like oh I guess the kid broke the plate that was valuable right even though it was a tiny nothing that barely even registers right such even that tiny pagam in their relationship Right, can impact our marriage or whatever, it's still something. And still through that, Rachel rejoiced over eliminating that tiny little nothing, right? And to add a minuscule amount of shalom to her household, 
and remove that tiny bit uh, tiny bit of, of negative. Uh, so very, very crucial. Again, people think that, you know, doing chesed to someone is this big chesed. You can, you can do chesed in the tiny things also. Just the tiny, tiny little things that improve a person's life. Also supremely, supremely valuable. Okay, the last word I want to say is uh, is my favorite malbim. Now, I don't know if people have favorite malbims, but it's one of my favorite commentaries uh, on the Chumash because it's so timely, I think. I think it's super timely. Um, and it's captains in this very, very random episode between Avram uh, and Avimelech in Gror. Now, Avram goes to Gror, uh, and he's chilling over there, okay? And he says again that Sarah is his sister, and Avimelech takes Sarah, right, the whole back and forth. Hashem comes to Av- Avimelech and says, hey, that woman is married. I'm going to kill everybody unless you give her back. And Avimelech's like, hey, 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 what do you mean? I, I, I took her because I thought she was, she was single, etc. Okay, whatever. So they have a whole fight. So Avimelech brings Sarah back to Avram. And says, hey man, that's not cool. Uh, I mean, if you have a Chumash, I'm in Perikachav, Puzzik Tess. He says, what did you do to me? What, what did I, why did I, what have I sinned to you? Why did you bring upon me and my kingdom this terrible sin? Nobody does this. And finally, in Puzzik Yud, right, Avram just doesn't respond. He's just like, okay, whatever, bro. And so then, Av, and then Puzzik Yud, Avimelech says, Avimelech Avram, Mara isa Why did you do this? Why did you say, oh, she's my sister? So the Malbim explains is that, Avimelech, why was Avimelech so shocked? Like when no one asked this, like Paro didn't ask Avram, uh, you know, when he said, you know, why did you do, I mean, he, Paro wasn't as annoyed. Like, what did you see? Paro got it. The Mitzrayim was stooped in immorality. They, they got the point. Like that, that was, okay, I, I guess so, fine. Avimelech was shocked. Why? Because the Malbim explains that Gerar was the most sociologically and, uh, you know, I guess, uh, culturally advanced uh, culture at the time. And that they were a group of good people that had just laws and a normal society and the most cultural, cultured and the most, shall we say, advanced uh, society at the time. So Avimelech was like, I don't understand what happened here, right? We have a good thing going. Like, there's, there shouldn't be a need for you to be like, she's my sister, or you know, people for a, a man to be afraid for his for his life because they're coming into a new person coming in with a beautiful woman. Someone's going to kill him in order to take his wife. Avimelech was bothered by that because he thought he had set up a good situation. So Avram said back to him an unbelievable shot, an unbelievable thing, and it says the Malbim an unbelievable shot. Vayomer Avram pasuk get Aleph. Because I said, rock in your ass, rock. The only thing, the only thing wrong with you guys is because there is no there is no fear of heaven. And says the Malbim, Avram said back, Yeah, you guys are great. You guys have a tremendous society, just laws, court system, you know, everything seems to be going great. But there's no Yerash Shemaim. And if there's no Yerash Shemaim, if you guys can set up with your brains, your minds can come up, can come up with whatever you come up with, and it could come up with some very logical, just, proper societal laws and and, and culture, etc. But when the brain, when the intellect is what's driving the decisions, so then when the intellect first of all can change, and people can decide to do different things, and second of all, when driven with and faced with. Uh, desires and emotion and taivas, the intellect is no match for that. The intellect is no match for that. So, 
the most as we know unfortunately in history the most cultured of societies have turned around to do the most heinous of things germany the most the best example is germany is the most cultured uh, you know most societal sociologically advanced country in you know in the early 1900s and obviously we, we know how that went uh the mouth says unbelievable that only your shemayim can dictate good or evil only your shemayim can dictate well, a person will keep to his his or her ideals and beliefs, um, and and not the person's intellect. Because you might know very many nice people and many nice goyim and many nice you know non-religious Jews, but when push comes to shove, if they desire something, if something something comes upon them and they're like, oh, I need to do this, or I want to do this, if there's no Yerushalayim pushing back, so then intellect can rationalize anything. And I don't need to give examples from society nowadays, but the human brain can rationalize some really weird stuff. And just, you know, as they tell the story about uh, in Germany, that just like, you know, it can, they can make a law that, uh, you know, everybody's rights have to be taken care of. They can also make a law that it's usher to put out a Jew's house if it's burning on fire, or it's usher to go to school with a Jew, or etc. You can't buy from a Jew's business. Laws can change in a second if it's intellect. Intellect can do a lot of really weird things. So the one determining factor that we need in our lives, says the Malbim, and, and it brings other, other schmoozes as well, is your Shemayim. That's the only one thing we can rely on. If we're using our brains, if we're, we're good people, but we're missing that your Shemayim, it's not guaranteed to last. And yes, you might it might last. It might last for a little bit. But when push comes to shove, when faced with a taiva for Yitzhahara, for other things, the intellect stands no chance. And that's what we have to work on. That our, our years Shemayim has to be what's guiding our decisions in life. It can't just be what's socially acceptable, what makes sense to us necessarily. Uh, because what makes sense to us, to one person, right, that can change right on a, on a dime. And we don't always necessarily understand uh, to the best of our ability, what what was going on uh, with Chazal, right? And, and the Yerush Shemayim has to has to drive what what we're what we're doing, uh, right? Again, we can we could uh, we could understand this one way, and then it could change the next day. A Yerush Shemayim has to be what's uh, what's taking us on. All right, I'm belaboring the point here at the end here because uh, my wife makes fun of me that I never know how to end Debrei Torah. Either way, she's not wrong, by the way. But um, either way, that's that's uh, I just wanted to just point that out, and I hope you guys are good. And we'll be in touch with Mr. Shem next week. I'm not sure what the deal is with Mr. Shisharm on Monday. I hope to be able to give it over. Um, but it's great to see everybody. And uh, even through black screens on Zoom. Uh, and have a great, great Shabbos. And uh, we will be in touch.